Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. There are certain things in life um, that never leave you. No matter how long ago they uh, happen to you, um, they stick with you. And I had an event happen when I was six years old. Back in the summer of 1976, my mom decided to enroll me into swimming lessons. Now, back then, it was, a, it was like a whole entire summer um, just filled with swimming lessons. And so what they did was they broke it down per month um, into different sections. You started off as a, in the guppy class. And then once you graduated from the guppy class, you went to the dolphin class and then Eventually, you finished out your, your uh, swimming lesson. I guess you earned a degree, and you became a shark at the very end. And so there I was in all my wonderful glory at six years old, enjoying the pool and learning how to swim for the first time, first time in my life. And so there I was in the pool in the guppy class, and in the guppy class, I learned how to do the doggy paddle. And I mastered the doggy paddle. I learned how to um, float without uh, the use of little flotation devices. And I made it through guppy class. Entered into dolphin class, learned how to um, uh, float on my back, um, learned different strokes in the water, learned how to swim without touching the bottom of of the pool, overcoming my anxieties, you know, of of just letting go of of the edge. And so dolphin class was going just wonderful. Now, before I could enter into the shark class, the shark portion of the swimming lessons, I had to do one thing. We all had to go to the far end of the pool, which at that time was like six or seven foot deep. But to me, as a six-year-old child, it could be like the, the bottomless pit, right? And this is what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to um, climb up uh, and to the top of the platform. Now, remember this. This is not a diving board. It wasn't a diving board that's really low to the ground. This was a platform way up in the air, right? And so we're supposed to climb up on top of this platform, and we're supposed to dive in, um, resurface, swim to the edge of the class, and once we did that, congratulations, you become an official shark. So there we were. We just lined up. They lined us up on this platform. Now, when I'm talking about platform, I'm talking about one of those things that zigzag, the stairs zigzag up, right? And, you know, to a six-year-old child, I mean, that, that platform, I couldn't tell you how tall that platform was, but to me, it was like, you know, 10 stories tall, right? And as I was waiting on those stairs um, for my, my turn to jump in and, and, uh, and prove myself, I got really scared, right? Fear just overtook me as I just looked up, you know, above me, realized, oh my gosh, I got two more flights before it's my turn. So the longer I, I stood there in line, the more fear I, it began to settle within my heart. And so I I walked up, it was my turn, I walked up to the edge of the platform, and that's where I, I lost it. I looked down, and, uh, and it was just too much for me to take in. And so I knew, I knew I could do this because everybody else in my class had already done it, and I was one of the last ones to do it. I knew I could do it, but when you sit up there and you look at, you look at what is beyond your, your scope at the moment, um, fear just took hold of me. So there was an instructor in the water. And it was her role, in case something goes wrong, she was there to, to help you. And she was also there trying to coax me um, off the platform. And so I was talking to myself, I can do this. Just jump, just dive, um, go down, resurface, swim to the side. It's going to be okay, Dave. So 
that's what I did. I, I let go and I flung myself out, out there into the water. Now, so at some way, somehow, the instructor um, got underneath my glide path of entry into the water. And so I collided with her. And she goes, she's knocked out. I don't know what happened to me. I panic and I start going down. And all I can remember, I, ne- I never, I didn't remember being rescued from the water. Um, all I remember was sitting on the side of that pool as they were working on the instructor to get her back to breathing. And, and this is what, she, she finally coughed up water and I believe that she was okay. I was crying. I was frightened. I was traumatized in that moment. And I'm forever a, a, a guppy. I never made it through the end of my dolphin class. <laughs> 45 years later, I'm a guppy. Can you believe that? <laughs> now, let me say something. That, that was, what, 45 years ago, that event happened to me. And it is seared in my brain. You know why? Because sometimes when we experience failure, we cannot overcome the memory. Now, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about the many promises of God. And in fact, there are 7,000 promises that God has for us in his scripture. And there are over 100 times of those 7,000, 100 times God refers to the fact that he is with us. Do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Why in the world would God do something like that? Why would he speak to us about courage and about overcoming fear? He did it um, through Abraham. He did it with David. He he did it with Moses. Um, He did it with Daniel. He did it with Jeremiah. He did it with Mary, the mother of Jesus. He would always show up in the midst of their circumstances in those moments in which they were at places in which they had to trust God for everything. And he says, don't back down. Stand your ground. Don't give up. Go forward. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. And and here's the reason why. It's because God understands that we are just feeble people. He understands that we walk around with insecurities. We we walk around with with doubts in our mind. We we walk around wondering if, um, uh, if we can accomplish what is before us. Maybe God has put us in a situation where you've never been before. And usually that's what life's about. We are always going into our future, into an unknown. And we have the opportunity to experience things that are uncommon to us, unknown to us, unattempted um, from our standpoint in life. And so God encourages us when we come to those moments, don't allow fear to overwhelm us. Because fear in the end, if we allow fear to take control of our lives, it paralyzes us. And it takes away, it takes away any opportunity for us to live in and live out the potential that God has uniquely gifted you and I for. Now, Matthew 25, and if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I really would invite you to turn there if you have an electronic copy um, to, to go there. Matthew 25 is the passage we're going to stick to this morning. And, and believe it or not, Jesus um, uses this opportunity to uh, challenge his disciples not to live in fear, not to live in the fear of failure in life. Now, why was it important for Jesus to teach on this principle of overcoming failure, overcoming fear? And, and this is why, why he does so. And Jesus speaks this out very clearly 
in in this passage. He does so because he does not want us not to live in the very potential that God has given us. And when we don't live in, in the potential that God has given us, there is glory that is robbed from God. So just remember that. You know, as we walk in, in, in life and as we encounter situations that may cause us to fear, there are opportunities that God wants you to know. There are opportunities that rob him of a blessing, rob God of blessing, because we live in fear and we are stopped by fear. Now, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells three stories back to back to back. And it's in response to a question that the disciples had asked in Matthew chapter 24. And and what the disciples were asking was this question, Jesus, tell us what the end of the world is going to be like. It's much like today, we know there's certain, certain individuals that are very concerned about knowing what the book of Revelation says. You know, we're living in the end times, and this is what the book of Revelation says. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't consume yourself with such smallness, right? Don't worry about what the end of the world is going to look like. There are three things that I need you to be prepared for in life. And one of those things that Jesus says we ought to prepare ourselves for is that we do not waste our life. It's important for Jesus to know, for for Jesus to share that with us, not to waste our life, that he devotes an entire teaching to that. Don't waste your life. And Jesus says at the, at the core of wasting our life is the issue of fear. Fear keeps us from pursuing the things that God wants for our life. The fear of failure stops us from trusting God, from placing our faith in God when he calls us to do some things that are un, unbelievable in our life. And so he illustrates this by this great story he tells us. Now, before we, before we read this, the scripture, there's three things I just need you to, to understand. Um, the master here is God himself. Remember, this is just a story. This is a parable that, God, that Jesus is teaching to give out a spiritual truth. So the master is God. Um, the servants are, are you and I. The talents are our potential, right? Talents are our potential. You and I are in this story. And God is trying to show us something. And here's what Jesus is saying, reading in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. But he, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, a few observations before we continue. The first observation is that, is that we are all stewards of God's resource. What does he say in, in verse 14? That, that the master entrusted, entrusted his servants with his property. There are things that God has given to you that are unique for you, that no one else uh, has but you have. There are some unique qualities that God has given you. I mean, he's entrusted with you. 
He has, he has given within us um, abilities um, that if we would just put them out there in faith, we can accomplish great things in his name, but also bring about good in this world. You see, God uses us to showcase him to a world who doesn't believe in him. And he does it when we operate um, our lives living out these great potentials, living out these great strengths, living out these wonderful truths in our lives. Now, God, when, we were, when we were born again, I'm talking to us who are believers, when we were born again, God gave us spiritual gifts. We see that in, in Romans 12. Um, we see it in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 12. We have given the, there's 16 gifts. We call them spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are, are to be used to edify the church, to build up the, the body of Christ, but also to make God known in a world of lost. And so if you are a follower of Christ this morning, you have been entrusted with spiritual gifting. But he also has given us, um, just by having life, right, by giving us life, he's also given us purpose. And in giving us life and giving us purpose, he is also entrusted with us certain abilities. Now, what my abilities are and what my talents are and what my potential are is vastly different from, from what your talents are and your potential, potential are and your giftings are. But, but here it is. But when I, do my, when I carry out what God has fashioned me to, to be and you carry out what God has fashioned you to be, then there's something that happens in this world for God's glory, for our good, and for other people's good. So know that, that your life, your life this morning has tremendous potential. God gave you something into your care because the way he fashioned you, the way he created your personality, um, um, he, he believes that you are, you are able, you are more than capable of carrying out how he has made you to be. Isn't that wonderful? God has entrusted you with his most precious gift, his property. Second thing that we need to look in this passage so far is that God expects you to invest your talents. He, he expects you to invest your talents. In verse 19, the master came and settled accounts with them. Yes, he gives it to us. It's almost like a loan. He's loaning us these great gifts. But there is a time where he's going to expect us to do something with them, right? God expects you to maximize your potential. Now, how Jesus describes this is that he describes this by the talents. Now, the talents in, in Jesus' time was a measurement of gold. And we're talking about massive amounts of money here, massive amounts of gold. And Jesus is going way over the top in his explanation of these talents because, remember, he's talking to a group of, of poor men men who are fishermen, men who were at the very bottom of society. And so for them to, to think of, you know, a, a measurement of gold that weighed the, that was about to equal to the man, to a man's weight, they couldn't fathom that. It'd be like you and I today thinking about what is it would it be like to have in our bank account a trillion dollars? We just can't begin to begin to fathom that amount. It's beyond our capacity to begin to wonder. Well, in Jesus's day, when you're talking about a million dollars worth of gold, they could not fathom that type of wealth. 
And so Jesus is really going over the top, and he's saying, yeah, to one man, and one man, uh, the master gave $5 million in gold. And to another man, he gave $2 million worth of gold. And to another man, he gave $1 million of gold. And this is like, oh my gosh, unbelievable wealth that is there. And Jesus goes on to say, but, but God was expecting, that master was expecting his servants to do more than just spend the money on themselves. He was expecting a return of his investment in them. Now, why, did, did they, why were they given different amounts? They were given different amounts based on the potential that the master saw in them. If the master didn't see any potential in them, he would not have given them such tremendous value, right? And so from, from man one to man three, the man with the highest amount of, amount of gold, I mean, he was given that because, because the master knew that he could do much more um, with that $5 million when he came back. And even the, the man was only given $1 million, and there was some value in him, there was potential in him, that the master thought, you know what, that man can take a million dollars and do something with it. He may not be at the capacity to handle $5 million, but golly, he has the capacity to handle $1 million. And so we read, we read okay, they got this great, 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 vast amount of money. What are they going to do with, with what their master gave them? This is what it says in verse 20. And, and, and he who had received the five talents... <laughs> Now remember, the master's come back, he's selling the account, and he had, when he had received the five talents, came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. So, uh, just a little simple math here. Um, the master gave him five million dollars. When the master came back, um, that guy had doubled the money. Ten million bucks, right? His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In other words, the master saying, well done. Fantastic. Come on. I mean, he, you've done well. And you know what? Um, you're looking good in my eyes. That's what, that's what that, that phrase means, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he, also, and he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Oh, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at, at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents for to everyone who has who has will will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away. So at the core of this of the story 
is this, this man who is afraid to fail. Now, now, if you go to a place called phobialist.com, phobialist.com, this is where I got this. There's 640 different known phobias, right? 640 um, uh, places where, where people struggle and fear over. Maybe, maybe you, have our, our, you maybe have one fear, maybe you have multiple fears. Listen, every single one of us, including myself, has many fears, right? I have a fear of speaking in public, and look where I'm at this morning, right? All right, so uh, uh, there you go. So we have all these fears, and phobias, phobialist.com says 640 categorized fears. Now, there is um, phobophobia, which is the, the fear of fears. Can you believe that? I have phobophobia. What does that mean? I, I, I'm just fearful of, of everything, right? I have fear of fears. And there's somebody out there with it. Maybe there's someone in this room with a phobophobia. Now, there is also another fear called atikiphobia. Now, atikiphobia, which I had no idea until I went to phobialist.com. I had no idea this existed. Atikiphobia is the, is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Now, I would say that that's probably a very common um, fear amongst us. That many of us in this room, including I myself, struggle with the fear of phobia. We have atikiphobia. Right? And this is what's going on with this man, this man with the one a million dollars worth of gold. Now listen, some of you would say that man was just simply a lazy person. I, I tell you, he's not a lazy man. I mean, he spent more energy carrying out his fears than he, he would have spent on his potential. Right? I mean, it takes a lot of ingenuity. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of sweat equity. To, to go out and find a secure place to bury a million dollars worth of gold. He couldn't rely on anyone else to know where that gold was. He had to do it all himself. So he's far from, from laziness. He just allowed his fear to stop him from reaching and maxing out his potential. So for him, it was nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I, I played it safe. And, and, and this is what the master, and again, this is God. This is God speaking. The master was upset that he was not willing to take a risk. The God, God is upset when he's given us all this potential. He's put all these talents, all these giftings in your life, and we waste them on doing nothing. We waste our potential because we're so caught up in our phobias. We're caught up in the unknown and, and what that could or it could possibly mean. We're caught up in, in, in the risk assessment, right, of it all. Um, that we tend to live our lives risk-free. Um, and I, I don't know the name. Someone can tell me afterwards. There's a, um, maybe there's like a risk management department in a lot of companies um, that, that they do everything. They make all these calculations um, to take away the risks um, from companies. Well, uh, there's always risk involved. In fact, there's some, sometimes we risk things and, and they don't turn out the way we want them to, but also there's times when we risk things and wonderful things come out of those, those opportunities. And so here's the great fear that we have, I think, coming out of the scripture, that we are not living out the, the incredible abilities that God has given us in this life. And here's this other fear, and Jesus speaks to this 
at the very end of the story, that we have to give an account for our lives before God. That's what, that's what that judgment day is like, right? And for us who are Christians, this is what our, our judgment day is. God's going to say, what did you do with the life, this abundant life that I gave you through my son Jesus? What did you do with it? Did you squander it? Did you, did you live for yourself? Did you take all those great talents, all those great giftings, all that great potential, and it wasn't about me, 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 me? Or did I, or, or, or are we the people that, that we serve God with, we, we serve others, others with, we, we build up his kingdom, we build up his church through, through lives of just giving ourselves away, giving our talents away, giving our, our strengths away, giving what we are best at away for the sake of God's kingdom. That is what is at stake here. And that is why, why, why God has such a, uh, uh, a response, a, a very angry response to the guy who just simply buried what God had given him. You have potential. If there's anything else that you can take away from this morning is that when God gave you breath, when God formed you, knitted you together in your mother's womb, he also instilled within you potential that only he knows and only you will find out when you take a risk to trust God in those moments in your life. I would say that, and I'm, I'm including myself as well, is that there, there is still potential uh, left in me. I, I may be 51 years of age, but there are things that God still wants to accomplish in my life. And the question is, is, is am I going to Am I, I going to risk it? Am I, am I going to listen the, to the voice of God and say, God, if you're calling me to this, then I know that I can do it because you have gifted me, or am I going to allow my fears to, to hold me back? When I was 21 years of age, um, I learned this, this, uh, this, the, the blessing of taking a risk. It was the first time, I think, in my entire life I was asked to, to really um, trust God for everything in my life. Um, he was calling me to, to, uh, to come down to southwest Missouri and to start a ministry, and that ministry was going to be starting from scratch, and the ministry was going to be, uh, the, the pay was going to be minuscule. I was going to have to live and trust God on faith. It was going to be a hard going. But somewhere, something within me is saying that this, is, this opportunity it is from God, right? I had a cushy job in Kansas City. I was working at a bank. I was, I was actually, in my six months, I had two promotions. I mean, things were going well, but it was taking me away from really what God wanted to do in my life. And I went around and I talked to people that, that I, I sought counsel from, from family members to friends to the spiritual giants in my life. And they all told me that pretty much the same thing. You'd be a fool to do this. You'd be a fool to give up all that you have to, to go into a place that you don't know if you're going to last a week, you don't know if you're going to last a month, and, and you know, people just said, don't do it. And so the last person I talked to was my pastor, and, 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 and I'm glad he was the last person because what he said to me sealed the deal for me. I sat in his office, he listened to my story, he listened to my excuses, he listened to my fears, and he said, David, here, here, here it is. Um, whatever you, may, you base your decision on, that's your God. If you're going to base this decision that you're about to make on money, the money is your God. If you're going to base your decision on comfort, um, then a life of ease is your God. 
But if you're going to make this decision one way or the other because you believe God's telling you to do something, then, then God is your God. I mean, that sealed the deal for me. I walked out of that office knowing exactly what I was supposed to do. And listen, all these years later, 30 years later, I don't regret that because along the way, I've been able to serve God in unbelievable ways that I never would have if I just stayed where I was at and comfortable making good money instead of obeying the whispers of God in my life. So that's where God is trying to teach us today through Matthew 25. That's what Jesus is trying to bring to the forefront. You have one life. Don't waste it by living in the fear of failure. Let me just give you three encouragements as I kind of close this out, because I think these three encouragements are universal. No matter where you're at in life, no matter if you're a young person with your entire life in front of you, with with the wonder of what is the greatest possibilities out there for me. If if you're in your your middle ages, if you're in your 30s, 40s, um, and you think, you know, man, you know, what else could I do with my life? Oh, man, there's so much more yet to be fulfilled. Your potential has yet to come to its apex, right? And for you, if you're in the category like I'm in, 50 plus years of age, and, and for me, I, 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 I view my life this way. I view my life as a life where I'm seeing the sunset of my life has come. And I'm not being, uh, I'm not being a, a, a sourpuss in that. I just, I'm at the apex, right? I've already passed the apex of my life and the sun's going down on my life. But I still have potential. I still have ways. I still have opportunities that I can serve God. And God can do amazing things in and through me if I would just make myself available to him. So here's three encouragements for you and for me as we pursue God and and try to grapple with the fear um, that's within us, the anxieties that are within us, the the, the moments where we just doubt, doubt ourselves, and and maybe even doubt um, the power and the, and the magnificence of God. First, remember God is with you every step of way. This, of all the three things I'm going to share with you, I think this is the most profound. This should unlock courage for us, that God is with us always. I mentioned this this verse three weeks ago, and I told you three weeks ago that I was in, in awe of this verse because there's, there's a, there's, there's, this verse speaks of God walking into our future as well as walking with us in our presence, and that just kind of blows my mind. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 31.8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I mean, there you go. What could go wrong? Well, a lot of things could go wrong. But even if they go wrong, even if if things don't go the way you thought they would go, God is with you. He will not abandon you. He already knows what your future is. Um, And he walks in your future just as he walks in your presence. Do not be afraid. God is with you. That should be enough courage for us, right? To know that we are never, will be ever abandoned by our master. If he calls us to something, all we need to do is, as he tells Moses, just stand firm. I'll do all the fighting for you. Just stand firm. I'll show up when you need me the most. Second thing, God promises to use our failures for our good. Now, I wish I could stand up here because then I'd be preaching a false gospel. I'd be, free, I'd be preaching something that is just not 
not biblical. And that is not everything that we do is going to turn out um, like a bed of roses. There are going to be times, and, and I've experienced that. I'm sure you've experienced it, where we step out and we say, man, I just, I know God's going to do something great. And, and we step out in faith, and, and when we step out in faith, it just doesn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. And even in those moments where things don't turn out the way we thought they were going to turn out, God can receive good from that, and God can bring good into our life through times of, of failure. Uh, failure, when things just don't go as we plan. What does Romans 8, 28 says? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is not a promise for everybody. This promise is for those who walk in God's promises. And God says, I can, I can turn every situation um, for my glory, and for your good. Everything is, may not work out the way you want it to, but God says, I can take that failure and I can turn it into something positive, into something good for you. And, and this is what I love about this verse. It encourages us to continue to risk things for the sake of God's kingdom. Not just be a one and done event in our life, and sometimes that does scare us when we when we experience failure in our life, especially when we experience um, a failure in regards to trying to trust God with things in our life. We say, we say, you know what? Hey, I did it. I did it once. I trusted God, and look what He did. Look what He did. And all I can tell you is, I don't understand the economy of things and understand fully what God does. But I can tell you that there are times in my life that I have stepped out in faith, and in the end. I'm just like, man, that just didn't work out like I thought it was going to work out. I thought this was going to happen. I thought that was going to take place. I thought this person was going to step up. And I had all this stuff that I had pre-planned was going to happen. It didn't work out. And I was disappointed. God can turn our disappointments into something good. Stay focused on being available for God. Third. It's always about the measure of your faithfulness, not your fruitfulness. What did the, what did the master say to the, to the two men um, that uh, it maxed out their potential? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not well done, my good and fruitful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I believe, I believe that when we um, step out and trust God, for things in our life, there's always going to be fruit. And especially when it comes to ministry, especially when it comes to, to, the, to the, the economy of God, when we, when we step out to do things on his behalf, to bring attention to him, to bring those who are far away from God, to draw near to him through, through hope and through salvation in Jesus Christ. Anytime that we're willing to step up out of our comfort zone, and step out and serve him and serve his church in some way. There is always going to be fruit from that. Always going to be fruit from that. But God's not going to judge us on our fruitfulness as much as he's going to judge us on our faithfulness. And all of us one day will stand before God. And I'm, I want you to hear, and I want you to, and I want myself to hear this. Welcome home my good and faithful servant. Come on in to the joy 
of your master. I mean, what could bring us more joy in that moment knowing that we didn't waste our lives? If Jesus says to his disciples, listen, man, there's things that you just don't need to worry about in life. But there's one thing you need to. And that is don't waste it. One life forgiven. Maximize your potential for the kingdom of God. Maximize your potential for his glory. Maximize your potential for the strengthening of the body of Christ. Maximize your potential in making much of him through the giftings, the personality, the tools he's given you, um, the mindset he's given you, the strengths he's given you, um, the connections he's given you in life. Do it all for his glory. Live out your potential. And see what God can do. Would you pray with me? Father, we are just um, normal people just going through life. (laughs) Experiencing the ups and downs of life. And and Father, just um, there are just times that um, we get hooked up on on habits and fears. We allow, Lord... um, things to crawl into our lives and fill us with anxiety, just like as a little boy just becoming fearful of the water until I got back in the water. Lord, you are good to us. Even in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our fear, you are with us. In those moments where we've held back from you because we, we just could not see the potential that you saw in us or see in us, Father, we just, um, we just lay these things back at your feet. We lay our anxieties at your feet. We, we lay our, our hang-ups at your feet. We lay our, our habits that causes us to fear. We lay those at your feet. And Father, forgive us for the times in our lives that we think too small and believe petty things about our lives. Forgive us for not attempting great things for you and expecting great things from you. (laughs) Forgive us, Lord. Father, we don't want to be the guy who goes and buries the treasure, treasure you've given us. We don't want to be unfaithful to what you've called us to do. So, Lord, give us courage. Give us courage when we need it the most. So that, Father, that we won't waste our lives, but we be found faithful in you. Father, just as we sung a few moments ago, there's something wonderful about you. You are, you are breathtaking. Um, You are amazing, and you are trustworthy in all of your way. Help us, Lord, to live a life that goes beyond our wildest imagination.
Help us, Lord, to lean in in faith and to say, Lord, what, what's next? What's next for me? How can I serve you? How can I serve your people, Lord? Whatever it is, give us the courage and the boldness to grab a hold of that and run our lives knowing when we're found faithful in you, we find your pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.